Welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest, the only show that's played in Guantanamo Bay to be used as torture for prisoners of war. Here are back some of the favorite internet boys, my favorite internet funny men. I give you uh, the Broskies, Lime Jinjo, and Dylan. How you been, boys? I've been I. I've been I too. We're the funny men. And I will make sure that changes because I they will no longer be all right after I tell them these Sonic the Hedgehog comics. So you boys just want to like dive right into it? Because I know you guys are just burning. I'm ready to get my day ruined. Archie, hearing about like Archie Sonic comics literally just drains me of all my soul. After, after I'm done hearing about them, I just like, I'm just like a husk. Like you ever played Persona 4? Of course. Okay. So you know, when, when Teddy, um, at Enrice's dungeon, when Teddy like gets deflated, yeah, it gets the soul sucked out of him. I'm familiar. That that's what I that's why I look like. That's why I look like after I hear about Archie Sonic. I'm just completely deflated, just flat, like flat Stanley. Flat Stanley. So you know, think- let's not waste any more time. Unless Dylan, you had a thought. I was, I was just gonna say I forgot about Flat Stanley. <laughs> on, on that note, Sonic the Hedgehog number one hundred and eleven. Uh, Carl Bowlers wrote. Ron Lim did the art. So. Real quick, we're just going to open. Amy and Rob are just in knothole, jumping trees to trees to get there. Caught in extra large spider webs, which happen to be turn out to be uh, Arachnid's kids, which that was a whole thing in a previous issue. Sally warned Sonic and Tails about this, and she was warned about it specifically to due to a vision that the Sword of Acorns gave her. So she claims that she is the sword's vessel. She wants nothing to do with it. So King Max orders the sword to be removed, but it actually talks to Sally, saying deliberately, quote, you know you need me, to which Sally then changes her mind and just grabs the sword herself. Which, you know, if, you have, if you're being persuaded by a talking sword, I think your constitution stat's a little weak. You gotta work on that, Sally. Uh, Sonic sends Tails off to get a backup team. Uh, later that night, guardsmen are just standing watch over the castle and are ambushed by those arachnid ninjas. And this group of like 20-something spider ninjas infiltrate their way into the castle, surprise attacking Sonic and Sally. Sally is keeping her family safe, swinging the sword. Sonic fights, and they're, they're doing their best. Sonic does a whirlwind, and the spiders cling onto a pillar, so that's ineffective. And the ninjas are repeatedly bonking Sonic over the head with their poles and just knock him out cold. And then Sally ends up giving her soul to the sword, kind of, and shouts saying that she has what they want and shoots a beam from the sword. Uh, Right as Tails comes in with the uh, rest of the Freedom Fighters, including Amy and Rob, and are basically scared shitless of what they're seeing. And then after a while, Sally just kind of calms down and just realizes, wait... These are Arachnid's kids, and there's a genetic memory that they have imprinted on them. In other words, they want the Sword of Acorns like their mom did, but they don't know why. So she just figures, you know what, with all the weird shit that's happening to me right now, I think it's maybe best that they just hold on to the sword for now. 
and she gives it to them, and the story ends. Shit, I never thought about that. Just give the bad guys what they want, and the story will end. Yeah, you know? That's certainly a way to do it. I don't know if that's the correct way to do it, but you know what? The king was okay with it. Just give away a literal, priceless, somewhat primordial in origin sword to, to spider ninjas. I, I can't think of a more reasonable result. Yeah, uh, I have one question, though. So of this Arachnid woman. Right. Is she is she hot? No. Oh. No. What's the point, then? Yeah, what is the point? So, story B, also written by Carl Bowler's art done by Rob Axel. So, uh, real quick, Rob is just antagonizing his former enemy, uh, Antoine's father, who he still believes to be evil on account of him being roboticized, which have to say, boys, that's discrimination. Can we just put that out there? Like, can we agree on that? For real, stop being racist against roboticized people. Nah. Yeah, basically, the guy just, like, stalks him all day. Like, literally all day, even doing the most benign shit, like fishing with Antoine. And after a while, uh, his dad just gets pissed about it and just like, all right, you know what? Like, you've been stalking me all day, so instead of being suspicious about you, or suspicious about me, how about just spend a fucking day with me and see I'm not a bad guy? And they do that. They just, you know, they, they do like normal people shit. Archery, they play cards, and he invites him with Antoine and Bunny telling stories around the campfire. And the next morning, Rob just says, you know what? I'm convinced. You're not a bad guy anymore. You're not under Rabani's control. Uh, I'm convinced, so I'm going home. Goodbye. Racism solved in one issue of Sonic Archie. Can't and believe it. Four, four pages. Racism solved in four pages. All we have Damn. to do is just break bread with those who we distrust. That's a wild record, dude. Mm-hmm. Racism speedrun. Speaking of speedruns, uh, here's a, a little more of a cringe story. I, I have to. I'm upset to say, uh, this is literally titled "The Trouble with Girls," and the U is replaced with three R's. So we love to see uh, that. Mm. the the short version of it is that like so girls around not all have been like chasing after sonic literally all day and tails is like hey bro why don't you just like have a girlfriend or some shit why do you put up with this and sonic is just like dude i don't want to be tied down and he's like torn in between chasing after sally and this other girl mina and who he actually has a real interesting connection with on account of she also has super speed similar to sonic all he's just like, I don't want to be tied down. I, I'd rather just be friends with them. And that's it. That We're done. We're, that's Sonic number 111. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay, that was just an issue that happened. So, so Sonic's a vol cell. Which, you know, you have to respect that. Sonic doesn't even go on Reddit. He just just vibes. He just vibes. And uh, All Sonic knows is go fast, stop Robotnik. And Chili Dogs. Don't forget the Chili Dogs. And Chili Dogs. Uh, issue 112, uh, this is the one that was being coined for Benny Lee, so just understand the mindset. And here's another, uh, name we haven't heard from in a while, Art Mawinney, who did the art, who was, if you, if listeners need a reflect, refresher, he was one of the first artists for the comic, like, way back when, and was one of the original storyboarders for the cartoon. So, one thing I really want to point out with his art is that he cannot draw modern Sonic taller green eyes. So his design of Sonic is literally just classic Sonic with green eyes. It's actually really interesting in my opinion. But uh, long story short, uh, Antoine's dad is just telling Antoine a war story as a portal opens above their heads. And 
Out comes Zonic, a version of Sonic who is an interdimensional cop. Boys, have any thoughts on that? Sounds like a fan character. He sounds racist. <laughs> ah, well, so this Zonic uh, is knocked out cold, rushed to a medical center, and then the doctor, Dr. Quack is his name. He's a duck, and the pun is not lost on anybody. He is surprised this guy looks exactly like Sonic and just asks Sonic, what's the deal? Sonic gives him the short, yeah, this is a version of me from another dimension, so don't be too surprised that he looks exactly like me. And Dr. Quack just accepts that point blank and is just looking for the source of his physical trauma as he got bonked on the head. As Sonic is leaving the medical office, he's stopped by Antoine and his dad. Antoine's dad is like praising Sonic for his quick thinking, and Sonic accepts the compliment, but sees that Antoine is feeling like a little upset about being Sonic getting that praise and not him by his own dad. And so, and Sonic decides to be a real one here and just says like, oh, you know, you think I'm heroic? You should hear about what fucking Antoine did during the war. Like, who boy, this boy like fucking knocks me out by a mile. And Antoine's just like, bro, what what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you, why, why are you saying that to my dad? And Sonic just says like, no, 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 just, just play along. I have an idea. Later on, Antoine takes his dad out for a walk in the park, and out comes uh, Anti-Sonic, who Antoine believes to be disguised, or Sonic disguising himself as Anti-Sonic. So, my man Antoine just goes for a, like, straight chop to the throat, knocks him out cold with one shot. Damn. When did Antoine become, like, a badass? Well, he just thought it was a bit. So, that's when later on, Antoine comes back, or actually... Sonic comes back to the scene and sees so like, oh, wow, Antoine, you did that? That's pretty fucking cool, dude. Antoine's like, oh, yeah, I, I did do that. Wait, that was actually anti-Sonic? You're actually Sonic? And then he faints on the spot. And then just laugh, laugh cut. We're done with that story. Wow, that is so awesome. Which, I mean, I also would like to point out that, to me, this implies that Antoine was willing to use lethal force on Sonic the Hedgehog, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the other story going on is that uh, Uncle Chuck is uh, being invited to a going away party for the Wolfpack, who is another freedom fighter base that helped during the war with Robotnik. Uh, basically, Uncle Chuck just feels, how do I put it? He just feels upset that he was basically the cause of the war to begin with on account of Robotnik stealing his roboticizer. Sonic kind of gets the message without him saying all that. And just decides to bring the party to him. Chuck is just a little upset. Or not upset, but he's depressed that everyone is around him having fun and he just can't bring himself to that point. Even just takes a step away and the Freedom Fighter or the Wolfpack leader, Lupe, she comes out. And by the way, she's roboticized too. I forgot to point that out for you guys. But she comes out and says, hey, you know, we understand that you feel this way. And... But we, we want you to understand. We don't think it's your fault. We don't think you're at fault here. And Chuck says, look, okay. But all all I'm looking for at the end of the day is just a little bit of forgiveness. And she just ends the story with saying, well, how can you want forgiveness if you can't even forgive yourself? And I guess that's the words that struck his heart because changed his mind and the wolf pack leaves uh, off to their original home. And that's the end of 112. All right. Now, I... For 113, I need to stress something, okay? Like, 
I, I, I actually pulled screen grabs of it because this made me so mad. Because the art in this issue is goddamn atrocious. So what this is, what issue 113 is, is just an adaption of one episode of Sat AM where the Freedom Fighters originally met the Wolf Pack. So it was written... It, it's credited to Jay Oliveira who wrote that episode. But the artist is someone named Many Hands. Boys, when you hear that name, what's the first thing that pops in your minds? Many Hands. A lot of hands. What the assumption here is with someone named Many Hands is that multiple people, like a lot of people, worked on this issue, but there's there's too many of them to credit, so they just group them all under the pseudonym. That's what I thought. That's the popular theory even today. However, there was another story based on this Many Hands person, and like it's the same art style, so I'm suspecting it is the same singular person that's just not wanting to be credited. And when you see the art, you'll understand why they don't want to be credited. So I'm just gonna All show right. you this. I'm gonna show you this first one. So please tell me what you're seeing here, boys. Um, some art of Sonic and Antoine and uh, uh, fuck, Sally. Sally, Sally. That's right. Um, and Sonic's holding a torch, and there's some eyes behind him, and it looks a little odd, but I wouldn't say the R is bad, but it does look a little off. Okay, that's, that's fair. Maybe this one will prove my point better. The art looks bad. I don't, even, Sonic's wrists are, like, broken in one thing. Mm-hmm. And another thing, it looks like he, it, it the anime makes it look like he should be facing the other way because of the way his hands are. Yes. But, like, his neck is backwards. That um, watch panel looks very weird of Sally and, and like, the, the, the shading and stuff. Like, what? Yeah, I also have this other one of Snively. You'll probably see where I'm getting at here now. Sn- hmm. Snively looks, like, completely fucked. Snively's just, like, right in the foreground. His, like, arm is outstretched to the back. It's just a very weird pose. So, look. I'm bringing all of this up because I want to make a point here. I, I, I've seen a lot of bad art in this comic, okay? I've seen art where, like, what is it? On one page, it's the same image repeated six times over with different dialogue to make it look different enough. I've seen... This one's a Ken Pender special. I've seen... Ken Penders, like, take photographs, use that as backgrounds, and draw knuckles over it, which is actually very funny, so I'm willing to forgive that. Mm -hmm. What else? Like, it's just things like that, but honestly, when I was, like, reading these comics to do research for this episode, this art was, like, legitimately distracting. I could not, like, parse this info. I... I actually just watched the episode that this issue was based on to get the story, because I cannot focus on the art. It just, I, I don't know what it is. It looks like a child drew this. It looks a lot different than the, the normal style you see in the comic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the only other one that Many Hands drew. So I don't think we'll ever see this again. But also understand that this is like the only, this doesn't have like a B story or anything. So all of this is just like 30 pages of this art that hurt my eyes. I even, like, normally I do these comics in a binge read, but after I got to this, like, I just had to stop for the day and, like, walk away. Because I just couldn't take it anymore. This is where yeah. I this is where I drew the line. Uh, just to give you, like, the fastest summary in the world 
they're just telling the story of how the Freedom Fighters met the Wolf Pack. So Sonic, Sally, and Anton were on a mission in a cave, meet a wolf, and he brings them back uh, deeper into the cave, and that's where they meet the Wolf Pack. And at the same time, Robotnik and Snively were tracking Sonic uh, to this cave, and they fight uh, Robotnik off with some like technology that they had stashed around. Snively was piling, piloting a ship to find them, and Sonic lures Snively to fly the ship into a lightning cloud, hits it with a bolt of lightning, fries its circus, and, and they win. The story ends with Lupe getting into, getting involved with other Freedom Fighter groups that want to join forces to fight back against Robotnik. This so obviously this takes place like before the arc where Eggman or like where Robotnik was defeated. So I don't know why they decided to do this now. Maybe they just had the script laying around and realized, oh, we never got rid of it. Let's just fucking sell it, whatever. But yeah, that's one thirteen. Uh, that was that made me want to die. But you know what? I'm still here, aren't I? Maybe maybe in a way I'm the winner, but in a way I'm also the loser. I swear these comics get good eventually, guys. Do they? Yeah, they actually do. Like it, it's we're not too far off actually. We're maybe a actually still like a handful of issues away. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Sonic number 114, Benny Lee, Ron Lim. So, boys, there there's something crucial I forgot to tell you in the pre-show, so I'm just going to give you real fast uh there was a bomb dropped up on us that uh, Tails, the Tails that we have with us right now, is actually not the real Tails. It's a Tails that was stolen by Mammoth Mogul and replaced with a doppelganger who has all of his memories, so he thinks he's Tails. The frick? So it's like a clone of Tails? Or... Yeah, it's a clone of Tails. Wait, the real one? We're gonna get an answer in this issue. Ooh boy. So, uh, this Tails is having a dream that he's staring into a dark cave with Red Eye staring right back at him and wakes up. And Sonic uh, wakes up from uh, Tails' screaming, leaving Sonic's parents and Uncle Chuck to check in on them and say, Tails, this is the seventh night in a row where you've had a nightmare. Do you want to go to the fucking doctor? Tails is just like, let's just cool off. We'll deal with this in the morning, Sonic says. And then later on, a little bit in the night, Sonic hears the tornado flying away and he chases after it, seeing Tails piloting it. And then they arrive at the same cave that Tails saw in his dream. In the back of the cave, they go into it. And then they see another Tails in suspended animation in his super form. So Sonic and Tails outside are like, dude, what the fuck? And they hear a voice saying, the resemblance is uncanny, no. Being Mammoth Mogul. And uh, long story short... He freed himself from the Master Emerald, but he still needs that Chaos Energy and realized having Tails in his super form and slowly leeching off the Chaos Emerald Energy he gives off is more than enough to keep him around. So uh, Sonic is like, no, uh, we're not doing that. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Uh, and he does that as the fake Tails is looking onto the real one, having just this burning existential crisis, but gets over it pretty fast and just fights Mogul regardless. Uh, the point being to break off his concentration enough to expend energy that he was siphoning off from Turbo Tails. That's a super state. It works well enough, and Mogul disappears into chaos energy, molecule by molecule, extremely painful. And as a result, this fake Tails fades away, the real Tails being released from this chamber. And he just says, like, he feels like he was just having a bad dream. And Sonic is like, well, you're not too far off, uh... Let's just go home. And that's the end of that story. 
Yeah, uh, I, I want to stress that when we found out about this in the comic, like, it was written, like, as a bombshell. Like, this is, like, a huge thing that's going to be mo- going to change the stakes moving forward. And then this story comes along and it just ends. I mean, way to go, I guess. Which, yeah, we're kind of expecting more out of it. And it's just like, oh, it's yeah. engulfed. Which is funny because yeah. Ken Penders was the one who introduced, like, that little lore line of this being a fake Tales. So when I first read it, I was like, oh, Ken Penders is really going to draw this out and really going to, like, make a big deal out of this. But then, you know, uh, Carl Bowler's Benny Lee comes in and just, like, stops it. Which I think is pretty funny. He just undermines, like, Ken Penders like that. I think that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And that's not the that was not the first time, nor will it be the last time uh, Benny Lee, Carl Bowlers, will undermine Ken Penders. But that's a story for another time, because right now, boys, uh, we got a Ken Penders story. Thank fucking God. Let's go. Bless the Lord. Let's go. Ken Penders wrote, Don bested the art. So Knuckles has some connections and let Julie Sue and her parents, Simon and Florin Ka, live in the apartment as the same building as his mom. He's helping them move in. Parents say they like the view and they're grateful that Knuckles did this for them, but they wouldn't have mind to stay on the Legion battle cruiser. Knuckles saying like, well, you know, you might not want to be around the Dark Legion any longer since, quote, Dimitri is dying. And on this cruiser, Lane Dot checks on Dimitri, who knows the same as Knuckles. Doctor says Dimitri's cybernetics are doing nothing to keep him alive. The plan is to use Knuckles to try to heal him. But Dimitri just says to Lane Da, the commissar, the the leader of the Dark Legion right now, says, Lane Da, whatever you're doing, just don't, please don't do this. Dimitri just figures Knuckles that, you know, he's a good guy, a pragmatist. He'll come around eventually. But Lane Da, she says, if he doesn't, you could die. To which Dimitri says, honestly, I should have died a long time ago, long before you were born. To which Landos swears to him that if you do die, I'll continue your path and your life goals. Now, I also want to point this out to you guys. For whatever reason in this issue, uh, Landos is horribly uh, sexualized. So I just feel like you should know what I'm dealing with here. Ken Penders was horny. Look, I get it. I get needing to sell things, but like, not like this, Ken. You're better than this. No, this was purely for his own pleasure. He, there was no sales in mind. I, you know, I guess so. I guess so. The last bit of this is that uh, Mammoth Mogul, still somewhat alive, hails a cab to try to find wherever the Dark Legionnaire leader is. And just, get, and just gives the cab driver like a solid gold rock just says, take me there. Meanwhile, Knuckles and Julie Sue find the Chaotix. And they tell Knuckles about Dimitri being taken away in the ambulance. Julie Sue warning them, like, hey, this should be in favor of his well-being because, you know, if he dies, Lane Da takes control of the Dark Legion and shit can go from bad to worse with her around. That's the end of that story. The the last, like, literally, like, two pages is just, uh, Carl Bowes wrote, Axel did the art. Literally, it's the Freedom Fighters, like, going to school and Amy, like, one, during the adventure arc, Amy, like, aged herself up using like magic from the ring of acorns it's a different thing don't worry about it but she aged herself up to match her sonic adventure design but they decide to have a little bit of fun with that idea and place her in the same class as tails which i think is like first grade and they're just fucking with each other in class and end up getting detention as a result that's the end of the story i don't care about that that's sonic 144 
or one fourteen. Yeah, there we go. Okay. One fifteen. Benny Lee, Art Mawinney. This is like literally a nothing story. Uh, Sonic's dog Mutsky, uh They free a genie from a bottle that they manage to find at the bottom of the Lake of Rings. And the genie just like fucks with them by swapping Sonic speed and giving it to Mutsky. So now his dog has fucking super speed and Sonic is weirdly okay with this. And they just like kind of live their lives for a little bit until they find the genie again. And Mutsky like sicks him and swallows the genie. It's the genie was like, dude, okay, fine. Just let me go. I'll give you three wishes. I swear. Just, just let me fucking go. And Sonic is like, okay, uh, give me back my super speed. Uh, take away Mutsky's super speed and get your ass back in this jar. And yep, that's it. That's the story. Fuck you. Who cares? The real story here is as of uh, the Ken Pender story. Same team as usual. So Mogul in the cab. He sees Lane Daw running into the street. Surprised that the Legion are welcome in Echidnaopolis, but whatever. He runs off to find Dimitri, essentially dying due to the lack of chaos energy. Dimitri recognizes him and says, oh... Are you here for revenge? Because if you want, like, I'm a sitting ducks. It's not going to be what you want. Go ahead, dude. To which uh, Mogul says, like, no, 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 no. I have another idea that could benefit us both. Meanwhile, Knuckles, Julie, Sue, and the Chaotix are just hanging out in the park. And they're asking Knuckles about his Chaos Knuckles transformation. And all he says is, like, well, I mean, I can't really do much. All I can really do is just, you know it really only works when I get, like, really pissed. Because otherwise, I can just do, like, little party tricks. And he just generates some flowers and gives that to Julie Sue. But regardless, he just goes out on his own to find his dad to talk. And meanwhile, Lane Dog goes back to meet with some Legionnaires and learns that the Council did not approve the plan to reintegrate the Legion back into greater Echidna society. So they move on to Plan B. And then the gang head into Haven looking for Locke and find him in the control room. And he pulls him aside saying, hey, guys, uh, you there's some things you might want to see here. And that's where they see uh, Mogul on the control room uh, with Dimitri saying, yo, I got Dimitri. You want him back? Uh, g- come bring me knuckles. And that's the end of 115. I we're building up to something here. I don't know if I like it, but uh, uh, whatever. 116, okay, oh, oh, it's this one, okay, this one's actually kind of cool. Benny Lee wrote, Ron Lynn did the art, so the first story, Sonic and Bunny were called by the president of Station Square, they found that their intelligence with Eggman is building a new body for himself in an abandoned city in the northern hemisphere, and he sent out his best agent, Rouge the Bat, but hasn't heard from her in the past 12 hours. And then Sonic asks, like, well, why didn't you just call for us in the first place? Leading the president to get down on his hands and knees, begging for forgiveness, saying he should have known better. To which Sonic is like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Like, please don't do this. Like, we'll just go. We're just we're just going to go. And then as they go, Sonic and Bunny are flying overhead. And we got a little bit of a lore piece here, boys. Because now we essentially got the confirmation that Mobius is a post-apocalyptic Earth. That's because we now see a ruined Statue of Liberty in the background. And it's something that like was kind of hinted at toward multiple times throughout the comic before this point. But now this is explicit. Like Mobius is post-apocalyptic Earth, which I think is kind of cool, you know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. And when I mentioned to you before how uh, Carl Bowlers and Ken Penders are like 
not really getting along behind the scenes. Uh, there's a little bit of narrative fighting for control. This is another one of those times because Ken Penders actually envisioned this world as like an alien planet as opposed to post-apocalyptic Earth like Carl Bowler's. But Carl Bowler's beat, to, beat him to it first. So that's what we got now. And in retrospect, it's actually kind of hilarious because, you know... I don't know if you're familiar with the whole two worlds idea that Izuka keeps shoving down our throats, but uh, Sonic, they're supposed to be aliens according to the official canon lore. So, you know, maybe Ken Penders was right all along, you know? Maybe. May Ken Penders, up. rare Ken Penders W. I think this is legit his single W, I have to say. Probably. Well, he did make Scourge, and Scourge is pretty cool, so... Eh, by proxy, because Scourge only became cool when uh, later things happened that are not under Ken Pender's control. Okay, then yeah, this is only W. Yeah. They land on a skyscraper, they just go down, split up, Sonic looks for Eggman, Bunny finds Rouge. After dodging some missiles, Sonic finds Eggman's lair and fills, finding a half-built robot body operating... It's knocked away by arms behind him. So basically, Sonic just expands Eggman's energy by just dodging constantly and ends the fight by just placing a lit stick of dynamite in Eggman's mouth and it explodes behind him as he runs off. And yeah, that's it. They win. Story B, Rouge. We finally see Rouge. She's trapped in the electrified jail cell looking for a way out and it just turns itself off. And she looks outside seeing what she thinks is an Eggman robot. And she just lunges to attack it, but turns out it's actually Bunny. And they just fight for several pages until Sonic just screams out, just like, hey, we're all on the same page here. Like, you don't need to fight. And that's it. Sometimes all you need to do, boys, is just, you know, use your words to win your fights. No need to throw a punch. That's my man, Sonic. That's deep. True. Final story by Ken Penders, Ron Lim doing the art. Uh, there's a flashback scene when Knuckles, when he was about eight years old, his father is spying on someone going into the Chaos Emerald Chamber. And now we see Knuckles now in his Chaos and Knuckles form. Basically, we're now seeing like a third-person perspective flashback. He sees his younger self run downstairs into the Chaos Emerald Chamber, hears voices, and sees his father arguing with Robians who want the Master Emerald to power their ship. And they specifically say the Master wants this Master Emerald. As Child Knuckles falls into the chamber to fight and just gets swatted, to which Locke says, Ah, so you harm innocent children now. I see. Okay, glad we're on the same page. So he touches the Master Emerald and uses the Chaos Emerald uh, waves to just destroy these Robians. And seeing as they were once people, ended their lives in the most merciful way imaginable. The ending of the story is just Knuckles snapping back into reality of uh, the chief of Echidna Police Remington saying, we got a lead on Dimitri, so let's go. That's 116, and let's barrel on to 117, which is, uh, what do we got? What do we got? Oh, okay, so this is kind of interesting. The first story is that after the events of the last comic where Sonic uh, fucking gamers Eggman... Eggman and Snively, who also has been roboticized too, by the way, they're in a data space in the cloud, essentially, and are looking for a way to download themselves into a body in the physical world. And uh, Snively gets himself caught in, like, a data train line going for an antivirus Eggman setup. And so Eggman distracts it, leaving Snively to go into an exit unscathed, gets his consciousness downloaded into a robot body, gives himself a new paint job to match as Eggman gets downloaded... And uh, after downgrading Snively a bit, you know, put him in his place. And I'm just like, well, 
I'm the villain here, so I gotta be the I gotta be the number one here, Snively. So shut the fuck up. And that's where that story ends. The second story is actually infinitely more interesting, not because what actually goes on, but because of who wrote it. So this is a person. The writer is named Romy Chacon. If you were to look this person up, you would not find anything on them other than like the few stories that this person uh, wrote for the Sonic comics. So, to to make a long story short, we have no clue who this person actually is, and the fandom has legitimate debates over who exactly this could be. The most popular theory is that this is actually an editor for the comics. We haven't talked about the editors all that much because they're... That one's a little too complicated to get into for long form. What I want to get at here is that... If it's true that the editor, I believe his name is Gabri, he just took on a pseudonym, Romy Chacon, and wrote a story, he essentially just paid himself to do, uh, to write a script for his work, which I do not think is the smartest thing. It might have been a complete conflict of interest, too. I mean, you know, eh. Dude, dude literally just said, good story, bro. Thanks, bro. And then he paid himself. <laughs> yeah, this is th- this is the polar opposite of that trust no one, not even yourself meme. Pay pay yourself only. Paying yourself only. Which I mean, look, if that ha- if that is literally true, then uh, someone at Archie's chain of command needs to be held responsible because a lot of things have to be in order in order for this exact scenario to occur. So whatever. There's a group that would become more familiar later on in the issues known as the Destructix. It's just a, like a group of like ragtag villains that don't really have much to do anything. Scourge leads them like way later on. But for now, I'm just going to refer to this group as such because they're it's basically the same thing. So they have this one guy named Tommy Turtle being held hostage. And so this we see this rabbit going to their compound who apparently got a distress signal and is there to find him. Find Tommy Turtle. So one of the Destructors takes him to a room, this rabbit. And once left alone, this rabbit, uh, turns out he was in disguise. And it turns out this rabbit was actually Sonic the Hedgehog. Whoa, who would have fucking guessed? And realizes that, uh, Sonic tells the story of how he met this guy to begin with. Apparently, he was, uh, another friend of his with Sally. That they were like, they were like the, 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 the boys, the homies, the three amigos, yada, yada, yada. Before Eggman or, or Robotnik's initial coup, and they just always assumed that uh, Tommy was one of the casualties of the initial coup, and they never found him again. So how he just turned back up here is actually never said. The point of this is that Sonic learned a lot of humility from Tommy because uh, he admits that he kind of bullied him relentlessly when they were kids, but he he learned a little bit of humility after uh, Tommy challenged him to a race. And Sonic was being so, so stubborn and so uh, high-minded of himself that when he got to the finish line, he just took a nap. And then Tommy uh, won the race. It, it's just the tortoise and the hare story. It's very, you know, tongue Dude, he was in. he was the rabbit, the star of the story. Wow. wow. That's deep. Who wow. wrote this issue? Ooh. Was it the guy that the editor? Ooh, I don't know. We'll never know. I guess we'll have to go to the grave, never knowing. Well, whoever made this issue deserves an award, because that is very deep. Oh, no, they deserve a raise. That's what they deserve. They deserve extra money from Archie Comics. I know this story was written, like, 
18 years ago, and also Archie's no longer in charge of Sonic, but they do, they should give him a raise. Yes, absolutely. After Sonic uh, free dis- undons the disguise, I should say, he goes, he crossed through the vents after hearing a voice, that being of Eggman, surprised that he's still alive, but not too surprised. He should have expected this. And so, Eggman was called here by the Destructix, the leader of the group saying, listen, we had a deal with your previous incarnation where we want to utilize one of your abandoned factories. Can we, like, can, can we, like, you know, have that deal again with you? To which Eggman is like, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. I, I, I have no, con- I don't even want to hear your conditions. I'll let you use it. But let's shake on it. And then uh, he shakes on it, leaving him roboticized, folks. Oh, my God. I saw it coming now. F. Massive L. As Eggman's trying to roboticize some more, uh, one of them holds Tommy's shell up as a shield. Just like, don't fucking touch me. Don't do it. And it's just like, Eggman's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, nope. Uh, roboticize this turtle instead, because I'll give you something better if you do so. You'll get a uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. You know what do you think of that? So uh, Eggman just like fucking okay, whatever you say. Goes into roboticize Tommy as Sonic jumps out the duct and fucking just wails on Eggman. Just goes for it. Sonic takes Tommy, kind of snowboards on his shell, which Tommy's perfectly okay with, to try to escape. But uh, it, it's an unfortunate situation because one of the Destructics, uh, how, how do I put this delicately? Uh, he uh, pulls a grenade out to take everyone out with him, leaving Tommy to see what's going on behind him, sacrifices himself by pushing Sonic out of a window, and the grenade goes off and the building burns and crumbles beneath him. Our man Tommy, we only got him for one issue and he dies a hero, folks. Can we get a round of applause? What a man. What a legend. My hero. I think I said this last time I was on too, but it just randomly hits me in waves that this is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, you'd I'm, forget I'm that. I'm hearing about Sonic the Hedgehog. Who did serious Sonic storytelling better? Because it's, it's impossible to do serious Sonic storytelling good, but who did better? The Archie comics or Sonic Adventure 2? Whew. <sighs> I think we're dealing with two different beasts here, you know, because uh, Sonic Adventure 2, you know, is, is, it's a video game, a good video game, I like to think. And uh, you know, I, have, I, I think have... it's I think it's a pretty good game. Yeah. It's obviously it's aged poorly and like obviously Mario will forever be a better made video game. But Sonic Adventure 2 is quite awesome. Yeah, I think... I, I'm about the same. I, it hasn't aged the batch, but I love Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. And I mean, I know it might be a little hard to take some of Last Story seriously, but it is still pretty awesome when Gerald Robotnik is like, All you ungrateful humans who took everything everything away away from from me me. will feel my loss and despair. Honestly, all of that can be thrown out the window as soon as Live and Learn plays, because when that happens, once the final hazard fight scene happens, it's like, Oh, yes, like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, and nothing will ever top it. Nah, this is fucking base. And then at the end, when Shadow's, like, falling to Earth, and he's like, Maria, this is what you wanted, right? This is the promise I made to you. Ah! That, that shit is fucking awesome. And then the, the credits theme that plays, oh, my God. And then at the end of the credits, when when Eggman's lamenting about his grandfather, and then tells like, I don't know, but what I do know is, we all, we all did, did it together! together. 
And then Eggman's <laughs> like, ha ha ha, you're right. Come on, you can't go wrong with that shit. Meanwhile, in Archie Sonic's, it's like, oh, there's a Tommy Turtle with a, <gasps> no, Tommy Turtle, no. And then, <laughs> blows up a grenade. And, and then now, no, there's some echidnas with boobs. And, um, and cybernetics uh, and like weird and, uh, life philosophies. Knuckles is green. You know, you ever seen the meme where it's like, uh, this thing at the start of it. Oh, cool. And then it's like this thing at the end of it. And it plays like this weird video where it's playing, uh, somebody that I used to know, but showing like weird psychedelic visuals. That's, that's the Archie comics, Sonic comics universe. Yeah. I, I described it before as like, like the Sonic game lore of just, it's just Sonic going, Dr. Eggman, I will stop you. Eggman, no. And then Archie Sonic lore is exactly what you described. Just, you didn't have to, to cut, cut me off. And then, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I, uh, that's a very apt description. And I don't, you know, if I saw that meme before, I would not be doing this podcast because I would just tell them that. I, I just linked them that video. Like, you want to know about Archie Sonic? Here you go. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know what the fuck was going on at Archie headquarters. But, I mean, as far as I can tell, they did this with multiple comics because even Archie itself, had like a weird Archie zombie spinoff where everyone died. Yeah, what the and then, f- were they just all like high as fuck? There was also a, there was also a crossover uh, with uh, the Archie comics and the Punisher. Uh, what else was there? Anything else weird like that? There was that one crossover with like Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Sonic. That's not canon to Sonic, but also kind of is. I don't uh, know. Man. At least IDW seems more normal. IDW is fun. If you reach all the way to the end of this podcast and then um and then you want to do another one, you want to do like IDW Sonic podcast, that would just be like all smiles and happiness. Like, yeah, Sonic went on some awesome Sonic adventure and he stopped Eggman. Yeah, you know. This was a good issue, guys. Eggman, like, we're having fun here, and then, oh, Sonic got, uh, poisoned, he is slowly becoming a zombie, uh, oh no, everyone's destroying, oh no, oh god, uh, Shadow got poisoned too! Okay. No! Nah! All real things that happen in IDW Sonic, it's a very good arc, I, I recommend it highly. So, to just finish this issue off, Ken Penders obviously wrote that Don Best, uh, yada yada yada, Knuckles and the Chaotix go into the hospital to meet Remington, they have a lead, but uh, Dimitri's in critical condition. So they go into the room. Uh, Espio like recognizes uh, the situation. So, oh wait, I'll, fuck, I da, 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 da. okay. It's their lead that's in critical condition. Okay, there we go. So Knuckles heals this guy, their lead, using chaos energy, and tells his story. And just recounts his dealing with Dimitri. Uh, Meanwhile, Mogul tells Dimitri about how they are both creations of the Chaos Emerald. And Dimitri, like, agrees with him, but feels as though they're both accountable for some things. And Mogul is laughing as if, oh, you suddenly grew a conscious now? What, are you fucking guilty about something, you shithead? And Dimitri says, listen, I I only did what I thought was right, okay? With Mogul saying, like, yeah... Uh, that's what they all fucking say, buddy. But at the end of the day, all that matters is survival. So after telling uh, the story the lead does, uh, Knuckles offers himself to lead the counterattack to get Dimitri back, to which Vector asks Julie Sue about what the Legion could be doing right now. 
Then we see Lane Daw being informed of the situation, knowing that if Knuckles saves Dimitri, we're going to be indebted to him for so long. We cannot afford that kind of a situation. But if Mogul defeats Knuckles, then we have an even bigger problem on our hands. So we're, we're in a lose-lose situation. And then over their monitors, they see Knuckles about to fight Mogul as Mogul threatens Knuckles this thing. Step into my Chaos Siphon to be drained of your power, or I will disconnect Dimitri's life support system. And that's the end of 117, my man Mogul saying, I will literally pull the plug. Awesome. You know, upon further reflection, I take back what I said about Archie being fucked up. I think just the comic industry is fucked up. Because now that I think about it, like, every single comic story is just, like, the most insane shit I've ever heard of. They had to sell, you know? They had to do something to sell. Because at the end yeah. of the day, you could just walk into a comic store, pick up the comic, like, read it, and then just, like, wow, this is stupid. Put it back and go home. So, you know yeah. what? Like, Archie had a pretty good thing going with a subscription model, which, you know, yada yada. They, they moved that pretty well. So, when you have 30 pages of nonsense, you got to be like, okay, this has got to be the best nonsense we can stuff in here. And we got to make sure the reader comes back for more. And you know what? If I was like, if I knew these comics existed when I was like that age, like I would have fucking bought the shit out of these. Are you kidding me? Like, this is extremely stupid, but like, I'm a child. I don't know any better. So just mom, buy me all of these Sonic the Hedgehog comics. I don't know if I would have liked these as a kid. I feel like I might not have really been into them, but maybe I would have. I don't know. I think the only comic that uh is still genius is the SpongeBob comics. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. I remember I remember seeing uh what is it? A long time ago I remember seeing I think it was a free comic book day story of like SpongeBob like railing against like the comic book industry, even like directly naming diamond distributors saying that they have a monopoly on comic book distribution. So that was pretty based. Damn, SpongeBob went hard. Yeah. Yeah, the SpongeBob comics are just like episodes. But I didn't even know there form. were comics for SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, you can find them. They're 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 the last bastion of the comic book industry. Truly, they are. Because you know what? If SpongeBob is based enough to say "fuck you, Diamond Distributors," you know you got some good shit going. Yeah. All right, back back to hell. Back to hell, and this is the last hell I'm going to put you guys through. Sonic number one eighteen. This is the last comic we've got to cover. So soon you will be released from this mortal coil. Thank God. So 118, Benny Lee wrote Stephen Butler, did the art. So now I also want to point something out here. This cover starts a trend of the cover of the comic books covers kind of looking like tabloids you would find at a grocery store, which is actually pretty fitting because Archie Comics does I think they're the only comics that actually sell distribute their stuff in grocery stores. In fact, I remember when I was a kid, uh, in, in, if you're from Florida, you're, this name will give you a visceral reaction. Uh, I remember as a kid going into a Publix and seeing Sonic comics like on the magazine shelf and went, Mom, I want that. And she got that for me because it was like two bucks. Comics cheap as fuck, dude. Yeah, about the same happened to me. Um, we have a uh, Meyer down here in the Midwest. And I, I would go there when I was younger and they'd have Sonic comics. And I'm like, yo, Sonic? The Hedgehog. I, and the grocery store trip and the Sonic, this is awesome. I never saw Sonic in the grocery store. You guys are lucky. Yeah, in fact, I I think I still have that issue. It might be in my closet, but uh, it, it it's literally just like the cover of that. I remember is just like 
Shadow doing like the Shadow the Hedgehog game pose just without the gun, you know, they had for kids, you know. What if uh you went to the grocery store and you saw Sonic Live? The, I I would I feel like it'd be my duty to uh remove that cursed artifact from the store. Just destroy the whole store at that point. It's already been tainted. Uh, yes, of course. I mean, it is a public, so maybe I'd be doing society a good. But anyway, uh, yes, comic cover look like tabloids. Uh, it has they have like uh, what I would describe as like clickbaity headlines. Like Knuckles is out here being the envy of echidnas. Jeffrey St. John showing them how it's. It's like that, you know. It's we're dealing with that. Mm-hmm. We open on Eggman and Snively in their new robotic bodies. Eggman now saying that I now have the location of Knothole. I'm ready for an attack. Right as the Freedom Fighters show up, Nicole saying that, uh, guys, be careful. Eggman can roboticize with a touch. Sonic tries to fight, but Eggman's, like, shell is impervious to attack. Right then and there, Sonic, Tails, Eggman, and Snively are seen warped away. Nicole reporting it seems like they've been transported. So the four are in an alien ship, and these aliens are speaking, like, their own language not being... We can't understand what they're saying. But after the four get bioscanned, we understand what they're saying now. They confirmed that these two beings are of organic state and two are not, and decide to conduct an experiment. The pod transforms their force physical states to reverse to reverse them. Sonic and Tails are now roboticized, and Eggman and Snively are now de-roboticized. The aliens are saying, defeat their foe in combat. The winners will be returned to their original state, and the losers will be kept in the state they were changed to. Also, I want to show, uh, Mecha Sonic and Tails have, like, a pure silver design, whereas Eggman roboticization keeps their color scheme. They're a little visual note that I think is important to You ain't out. even gotta say the rest of the comic. I know Robo-Sonic and Robo-Tails absolutely fucked the shit out of regular-ass Snively, dude. You seen Snively? No way he beats Robo-Sonic. That motherfucker is shaped like a football. One punt and he's done. <laughs> For real. So, the room they were launched into becomes a hollow landscape of Robotropolis. As Eggman and Snively come out on an egg walker to shoot Sonic and Tails down with missiles, they just stand there and take the hit unscathed as Eggman just goes like, ah, I forgot about that. Uh, Sonic responds in kind with wrist lasers of his own, just launches some missiles out at the egg walker and just fucking, it just fucking eats shit. Tails traps Snively as Sonic finds Eggman and captures him with a net, leaving Sonic and Tails as the winners. Eggman gloats, is like, nope, this only proves to me that machines are truly superior to organics. Skip ahead to Knothole. Sonic and Tails are now de-roboticized, swear up and down that the story that they're telling Sally is true. And Sally says, well, okay, fine, whatever, but now we don't have any way to track Eggman as he's now organic and we don't know when he's going to strike next. That's the end of that story, which I actually think was pretty good, I'm not going to lie. So Eggman is no longer a robot. Nope, neither is Snively. They're they're like that now. They're fully human now. Because of alien intervention. Yep, and uh, these aliens go unnamed as of right now, but uh, they're going to come back and they're going to play a very pivotal role in the story. But I'll, I'll save that for a little bit later. Story B from Carl Bowlers and Ron Lim. Uh, Jeffrey and Hershey are in a containment bod. Uh, they're being healed from uh, nanites that were in their bloodstream that Eggman put in them when they were going to invade Robotropolis. 
Dr. Quack congratulates Rotor for building a solution, nanites specifically built to fight Eggman's nanites. And after coming out from the pod, the two of them do, Sally uh, welcomes them back, gives them a good salute, welcome back to service, boys. And while Jeffrey's happy, he still feels responsible for a lot that happened. Long story short, he feels like he failed in every respect. Elias ran away because of him. He fell victim to Eggman while they were he was trying to prove himself as capable as Sonic. And then this is where Hershey admits feelings towards him. Like, I, I think of you as a hero. Kiss, hug, go home. They offer King Max to search for Elias on their behalf and they leave in a biplane and search a globe. Now the story is done. Last crucial point. Not a bad Jeffrey St. John quote-unquote story. That was just four pages. But, you know, I actually kind of do like seeing him, like, actually be humble for once. You know? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know... Have I ever fully expressed this before on the show? I don't think I have. But basically, I always wonder whenever Dimitri's on, or not Dimitri, whenever Jeffrey is on screen, I just have to wonder what's the point of this character? Because you have what is like a major character in this story, but he serves like a couple different roles, but nothing is ever solidified. When he was first introduced, Jeffrey, it seemed like he's like kind of a schemer sort of character like he knew more than he was letting on and almost like he was going to double cross the freedom fighters at some point but he didn't he truly was loyal to king and country first and foremost which you know obviously is a very good thing you know yada yada but he still kind of had that smug smarmy kind of persona that continues even like much later on At this point in the comic, I think we're moving away from that personality trait, but the crux of it was he always was kind of jealous of Sonic for being like the kid hero and getting all the praise when he feels like he should be getting praise of his own, which I guess is fair, but also understand that uh, Jeffrey is like literally an adult, so it's a little weird, but you know, if this characterization continues on, then I, I think I, I, I think I'll be impressed with where Jeffrey ends up. We'll finally uh, end off this story with uh, a Ken Penders classic, Don Best doing the art. So picking up right off from last time, Knuckles out and out refuses Mogul's offer by activating his own chaos power, alerting the Chaotix to find his location. Lane Dawes' team picks up the energy signature, assuming it's Knuckles. Mogul is not impressed by Knuckles' little trick and activates the Chaos Siphon, beginning to drain Dimitri. And in the process, also drains Knuckles, and he fights back by activating what he calls, quote, Overload Mode. The whole sky turns green, everyone in the city showing concern for the scene around them. And after the glow fades, the Chaotix, Remington, and Lane Dawn, her legionnaires, are on the scene looking for Knuckles and Dimitri. They go inside the ruined building. Finds Dimitri okay, but he says, don't worry about me, look after Knuckles. As if it were not for him, I wouldn't be here right now. And all we see on the panel is Knuckles' outstretched arm, the rest of his body crushed by rubble. And then later on, we see a ceremony conducted by Echidna counselors to rename the floating island officially into Angel Island, named for the first guardian Edmund's mother, Angel Law. Because we gotta know Ken Penders always needs fucking long-winded, convoluted explanations for everything. So it can't just be called Angel Island because that's just what, what it it's is called. Yeah. We have to we have to give it we have to tell you why it's called Angel Island. 
It's actually named after this one woman that you don't care about. And we'll never hear of again. But this is the rededication ceremony, and the a chief counselor is asking Knuckles' mom, who's there, is like, yo, where the fuck is Knuckles at? Like, this is, like, this is you know, this is some guardian duties he needs to be here for. To which she says, like, I don't know where he is. He's not one to shirk guardian duties, but, you know, it must be important if he's not here. And then as this counselor is giving the dedication ceremony, another counselor runs up, whispers in his ear, and then he just solemnly takes the mic and says, uh, folks, I, I have some bad news to deliver. Uh, Guardian Knuckles the Echidna has been uh, downed in the line of duty and has unfortunately passed from this world. And they killed Knuckles. Yes. Yep. Nah. Nah. Knuckles nah. is. Oh, nah. No. Oh, nah. They killed Knuckles. Knuckles is fucking dead, boys. Nah. He's gonna come back. Nah. With his mother in the foreground in tears. That's the end of number one eighteen. That's the end of all the comics I got for you, boys. What have we learned here today? Ken Penders is still fucking insane. That too, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Knuckles is fucking dead. I mean, you know what? Last time I had you guys on here, they killed Sonic, so you know what? Is it really surprising that they killed Knuckles too? I mean, shit. Who else are they going to kill? Uh-huh. Ooh, fuck, anyone. It could be Tails. Sally? I mean, shit. Everyone's on the fucking line. Actually, funny that funny I mentioned that. Sally uh, was supposed to die for real in the... Uh, Endgame arc, but uh, Sega was supposed to be basically this one. Like Ken Penders, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're not doing that. Make Sally uh undead right and fucking now. So we just stuck with that. Damn. Okay. Yeah, that was literally the one time, if not like one of a handful of times, that Sega actually intervened in the production of this comic because uh, they they never did. They just let the Archie staff like on their own do their own thing. Which is uh, kind of insane to me nowadays with the IDW comics and all that. But if they want, to, if the Archie team wanted to draw Sonic's penis, they might have been able to get away with it. No, that there's lines, you know. They, Damn, okay. they, there's lines. I okay. mean, I think the furthest that they ever went was uh, giving to call a design that looked more like Ken Pender's echidnas, if you know what I mean. And then, like, the next issue immediately after, they gave her her, like, game design. So this is the one time where Sega was like, what the fuck? No. Nah. <sighs> Knuckles is fucking dead, huh? What a comic to end on. <laughs> to give you uh, uh, a little teaser for the next episode, uh, we're going to see what happened to, to Knuckles. Uh, did, did he, you know, pass on to the next world? What happened to his corporeal form? Uh, will he be forever haunting his father for his mistakes? You know, I think he should. You know, if I, I would do that, if I was him, I would haunt my own father. But uh, regardless, uh, I want to give a special uh, thanks to the Broskis, Lime Jinjo, and Dylan for uh, not not coming on with me because truly this was a suicidality test and they win. So let's give them a round of applause. They have 10 years taken off of their lifespan as a result of these comics. So true. Thank you all very much for watching. We'll see you next time on another episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. Uh, bring Knuckles back. Bye, folks.